Welcome to Eczema Breakthroughs, brought to you by Global Parents for Eczema Research, or Cheaper. This show features conversations between parents of children with eczema and the world's leading scientists and researchers who study eczema. Learn more about Cheaper and subscribe to the Eczema Breakthrough podcast at parentsforeczemaresearch.org. Hello, and welcome to the podcast. My name is Lanita Howie. I am the parent of a child with eczema and the podcast manager at Global Parents for Eczema Research. Today, we are talking about pregnancy and if there is anything a mother can do to prevent her unborn baby from developing eczema. Our guests today are Dr. Suzanne Barsho. She is a clinical assistant professor at the Sean N. Parker Center for Allergy and Asthma Research at Stanford University in California. She is an allergist, immunologist, and has been overseeing the multi-site NIH-sponsored Sunbeam study at Stanford, which is a birth cohort study investigating the environmental, biological, and genetic factors that may lead to the development of allergic diseases in children. And also joining us is Courtney Kwong Hing. She is the co-host of the Itch podcast and the co-founder of the non-profit The Zestful. She lives with asthma, eczema, and food allergies, and is thinking about having children, but is concerned about passing on her allergies to her kids. Thank you both for joining us today. Thank you. Thank you for having us. I'm sure this is a topic that's very close to the hearts of many parents who have always wondered if there was something that they did during pregnancy that resulted in their child having eczema. And more importantly, is there anything they could do to prevent future children from developing eczema? I personally was pregnant with my second child when my toddler's eczema was at its worst. And for sure, I was Googling and researching and doing anything I could do to save my unborn child from the same fate. So, Courtney, let's start with you. You've lived your whole life managing allergies, asthma and eczema. Please share us your story and why you're here with us today. Yeah, so I guess I'm your perfect atopic March candidate, (laughs) you know, so... It started with the eczema right at the get-go, really. And then I developed food allergies, and then later I was diagnosed with asthma. I had kind of a lucky teenage period in my life where my eczema wasn't really around. But when I hit my mid-20s, I developed eczema again. And I moved to Berlin, and Berlin is one of these cities that has like the most epic pollen possible. So I think my body just got bombarded by allergens, and I've been living with it ever since. I've had several severe anaphylactic reactions in my life, but I find that my eczema is the hardest thing for me to manage. And at the end of the day, I feel like passing on food allergies to a child is not as frightening to me as passing on eczema, because eczema just... It gets you day and night and it just becomes your everything because you can't do what you want to do because you're itchy or you're hurting or you're swollen or you feel like you're so ugly, you can't leave the house. So for me, that's why this topic is so interesting. One more thing (laughs) is that it's in my family. So it's something that we all have. So I know that there is a genetic component. So I'm always thinking, what can I do to help? Because it's probably going to happen because I'm a topic and so is my husband. So if there's anything I can do, tell me. I am also an atopic person, Courtney. Mm -hmm. And we know that when parents have allergic conditions, that there's a higher chance of their children having allergies, including eczema. So it might be worth asking you, Dr. Basho, can you explain those odds to us? Is it a foregone conclusion that if you're atopic, then your child will be? 
It is not a foregone conclusion, but certainly the chances are higher. There are a number of different mutations or genetic changes in your genes that you could have that could predispose you to having atopic conditions. So certainly for eczema and food allergies and asthma, you've probably heard of selagrin, which is really important for the health of that outer layer of skin. If you had a not functional copy of that protein, you can have an unhealthy skin barrier which can predispose you to eczema, asthma, allergies, all sorts of conditions. And so sometimes that is seen in people who develop eczema and allergies very early on in life and very severe types of fats. So if that is the case, and if it runs in the family, it could be worth having that genetic mutation checked just so you have a better understanding of what's going on. So is there testing that we can do? If you have very severe allergies that run very strongly in the family, those all kind of point to there being potentially a genetic or heritable cause. And so in that case, there could be a gene panel that you could qualify for. But without those factors, it's probably not worth pursuing. That's really interesting for people to know because I, <laughs> I had a dermatologist once tell me, she asked me first, does your husband have any allergic conditions? And I said, yes. And she said, well, then you need to find another husband so that you have a child who won't have any eczema. That was quite a shocking moment <laughs> for me to have someone straight up tell me that, I better not have kids. That's really hard to hear. I would agree. That's just not a very a very polite way to bring that up. If one child has eczema in the family, does that mean there's more chance of the next child having eczema? It's similar to if a parent has eczema, but we see it all the time where one kiddo has food allergies or eczema and the other doesn't. When I was pregnant, I was doing lots of research between dealing with being pregnant and working and looking after a child with eczema myself. There's not a lot of time and I never knew if information that I could find was true, if I could trust it. And I'm sure you're doing the same, Courtney. Is there anything that you've come across that you question or you would like to know more about? Yeah, I mean, I've been <laughs> reading all of the pregnancy books. None of them really mention allergies or asthma or eczema. I know the one thing I've read a lot about is secondhand smoke. So I would love to learn a little bit more about if there are things that you can do, like just a simple HEPA filter if you live in a high polluted city, or if there's anything that you can do to help control your environment. Secondhand smoke is very harmful. So certainly avoiding that at any time in your life is important, but especially when you're pregnant. Like you said, a HEPA filter could help with pollution, could help with secondhand smoke exposure. What about fireplace smoke? Smoke of any kind can be harmful, especially if you're somewhere that doesn't have adequate ventilation. That's good to know. I'm from Canada and my dad loves to throw on fires. <laughs> really, I know that fire, just for my own eczema, like being exposed to smoke is terrible. So now I can definitely use that to... <laughs> Help me petition against fires. <laughs> On that note, is there anything that we can do when we're pregnant in terms of health or diet? Sure. There are many factors that are currently being studied vigorously. Things like environmental exposures, like pollution, things like sunlight, even dietary factors, exposure to pets, etc. All of those can kind of come together and impact a child's risk of developing allergic disorders. Vitamin D seems to pop up a lot. I don't know if you've come across that, Courtney. Oh, yes. My gynecologist is obsessed with my vitamin D levels. <laughs> so does it help? <laughs> does the research tell us? First of all, a lot of adults are vitamin D deficient. It's incredibly common. And vitamin D deficiency is associated with allergic outcomes. So, of course, this has been um, 
of interest in eczema research as well. There's a nice paper in 2023, so very recent, looking at when moms are pregnant and then early life vitamin D levels in the infants and eczema risk. They looked at a whopping 43 different articles that included six randomized controlled trials, which are the gold standard in clinical research. But unfortunately, they found no evidence of any association between maternal vitamin D level and development of eczema in the offspring. But one thing that was interesting is that six studies did find a mildly decreased eczema risk around age one year with increased vitamin D levels in the blood from the umbilical cord. So there certainly could be a link between vitamin D levels and infant eczema risk, but it's very important for bone health, for skin health, for immune function. So you can supplement if you are deficient. One kind of topic that you've probably heard discussed a lot is a hygiene hypothesis and that we're not around the normal kind of bacteria and fungus that can help build a healthy immune system. And there are studies that show that that could be true. So infants who were prenatally exposed to dogs had a decreased risk of eczema at age two. Does it have to be a dog or can it be other animals? Yeah, the papers looked at dogs and cats, and most of the papers found differences with dogs. And I believe maybe one also found a benefit with a cat, but the others did not. That's super interesting. I remember I heard this thing that they were like, the three things to help a baby not be a topic, and that's dogs, vitamin D, and dirt. (laughs) I was always very curious about why that would be, but I just remember being like, okay, well, I have a dog, so I don't have to worry about that. Well, I mean, I think dirt does kind of go hand in hand with the dog. I've always wondered about hand sanitizer. Should we be using so much? And could the product itself cause eczema in unborn children? I would not expect to be any association between hand sanitizer and eczema development in a child. We know that normal kind of environmental exposures can be healthy to help the immune system develop in a normal way where it can recognize things that are truly harmful versus things that are not actually harmful, which is kind of what happens in the allergic conditions is your body is recognizing things that truly aren't harmful as being harmful. And then an allergic response happens. Mm -hmm. We know that with food allergy as well, there's more and more evidence that exposure to foods early on in life, like between the age of four to six months, can help reduce the risk of developing allergy to those foods. And if you're exposed the normal way through the mouth, rather than being exposed through the skin, such as eczema, where the skin barrier is not intact, you're less likely to develop food allergy if it's introduced through the mouth and the gut. Talking about ingesting things, I just have a question because we talked about taking supplements. What about omega-3? Right. There's data certainly that it can be helpful for heart health and other conditions. But if you're already taking that for general health, I don't see any reason why you couldn't continue to take that during pregnancy. I actually looked into it, Courtney, and it turns out some studies did find it was beneficial for babies with a high risk of eczema, but frustratingly, other studies did not. Right. There's a lot of interest also about probiotics. There was a really fantastic review article in 2022 that looked at prenatal probiotic use and the chances of a baby going on to develop eczema. Three found no difference. Two found that maternal probiotic use did reduce the child's risk of eczema, but they use different probiotics. We do know that probiotics appear to be very safe in pregnancy. So I would say if you would like to try a probiotic, it's probably okay to try it. There used to be a thought that probiotics could potentially 
increase the risk of preeclampsia or other issues while pregnant. And that's just not the case. There has not been any data to back that up. So any questions about that? I think I'm just wanting to dive deeper into the whole situation of probiotics because I, I feel like there are thousands of them. How do you know which combination of probiotics are you supposed to be taking? Because I've seen some like ramblings about taking probiotics and which ones are the best ones for our skin and whatnot. And I'm just completely overwhelmed. I'd just rather eat sauerkraut. <laughs> yeah, it's a good point. And the fact is that studies are ongoing looking at different combinations of probiotics, but lactobacillus, bifidobacterium, those are the main species. There are so many probiotic products available and they don't all have the same amount of probiotic and shelf stability. So you would want to definitely discuss that with your physician to make sure a product you're choosing would even have enough live bacteria to provide benefits. And then of course, your point about sauerkraut is really well taken that there are foods that already have live cultures in them. That would be things like sauerkraut, kefir, yogurt, those kinds of products. And so certainly you could always start with foods like that. Probiotics are such a hot topic that prenatal use of probiotics is being investigated for a number of other conditions. And certainly those studies would not be going on if there was any concern for safety. That's encouraging. The other question I really have, if you're an adult with eczema like I am and you do get pregnant, how about things that could potentially harm the baby? So I'm thinking of like steroid creams, antihistamines, and something like a protopic, which isn't a steroid-based cream, but still something that you get prescribed for eczema. Protopic does not appear to be absorbed very well when you apply it to the skin with topical use. But the oral version of that medication, which is called tacrolimus, does transmit across the placenta, and it also does transmit into breast milk. And so we can't say with certainty if it's safe to use in pregnancy. However, I would probably use those steroid creams first. And topical steroids are safe to use during pregnancy, especially if you're talking short bursts of two weeks or so before using something like Protopic. Which is really interesting because one doctor didn't want to prescribe me Protopic because I would like to be a mother. So they're like, no, we're not even going to go there. <laughs> what about antihistamines? They appear to be safe during pregnancy based on their mechanism of action. I would not think that there would be any eczema risk. Some of our members also question taking antibiotics during pregnancy. Pregnant women do get infections and there are antibiotics that can be used. Having said that, I've read two recent studies that found between a 12 and 45% increased risk of the baby developing eczema if the mother took antibiotics during pregnancy and that risk increased if the mother was atopic herself and took antibiotics more than once. I guess it's something to be aware of, but if a mother must take antibiotics, you should. Right. Okay. I feel like your questions are being asked by people with eczema. <laughs> the study that I'm involved in called Sunbeam is looking at different factors that could predispose infants to go on to develop allergic conditions, including eczema and food allergy. That is looking at samples from the home, including water, including dust. You know, we have them vacuum up samples, et cetera. And so I think in the coming years, there will be more studies that can help explain if there are associations with those external factors. I have another question. What can we do for ourselves if we do experience eczema flares during pregnancy that don't like let our stress levels skyrocket? I would assume that having high levels of stress does have a negative impact on the unborn child. And is there a correlation between stress and eczema? 
stress in general during pregnancy can be harmful for a lot of reasons. And so I think the most important thing to do is just if you're getting flares, trying to keep that under control as much as you can. Mm -hmm. One member asks, if I develop PEP during pregnancy, and for our listeners, that's an itchy red rash that can develop late in pregnancy, does that increase the chance of my baby having eczema? So this one is easy in that the answer is no, because they're not related at all. PEP, this pregnancy rash that we're talking about, is not an allergic condition at all. It's maybe due to stretching of the skin. And the good thing about PEP is that it's self-limited, which means it resolves on its own after delivery. <laughs> I know I'm like obsessed with this PEP idea. I was just thinking, <laughs> if you already have very dry skin, do you know if there's any like evidence to say that someone with eczema might have a higher chance of getting PEP? Selfish question. I don't know that there's an increased risk, but if there's a lot of weight gain during pregnancy or obesity or multiple gestation, basically anything that would cause further stretching of the skin. Okay. <laughs> I'm always just like, oh, anything that's skin related, I feel like I'm going to get. <laughs> oh, Courtney. Well, on that note, I think we've had a really good discussion today. And I just wanted to ask you, Dr. Basho, is there any take-home message for our mothers that are thinking of getting pregnant and how they can best care for their child? Yeah, we're still trying to understand why some children grow on to develop allergies and others don't. If they do develop eczema, it's not your fault. It's not something that you did right or did wrong. Certainly, if this runs in your family, you can't control your own genetics. But just try and take care of yourself the best you can. Make sure you're getting plenty of sleep, eat well. So we're talking bright colors, many different colors, making sure that you're following up with your obstetrician to be sure you're taking sufficient vitamins and minerals that can help you and the baby be healthy, exercise, et cetera. Those are all going to be the most important things that we know that you can do to make sure the baby is healthy. My big takeaway for this podcast is that really, if you're pregnant, you should just take care of yourself. Any final thoughts, Courtney? I think it's really nice to hear that everything that you read in the pregnancy books or the planning to get pregnancy books are exactly what we're hearing. Just find balance, don't get stressed, and try to make sure that all of the medical conditions you currently live with are managed so that when you do get pregnant, it doesn't feel completely overwhelming. And I think that as someone with eczema, I could get really overwhelmed and really obsessed with that. And I don't want to make that also like the center of the pregnant journey. So thank you for that really balanced way to look at pregnancy when you have eczema and when you're hoping to help your future child not have as bad an eczema experience as you have. You're very welcome. Well, with that, I just want to say thank you to both of you for joining us today. And I hope it gives encouragement to people that are pregnant or thinking of becoming pregnant that there are things they can do. And I wish everyone all the best. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you. You've been listening to the Eczema Breakthrough Podcast. To learn more and join Global Parents for Eczema Research or to subscribe to this podcast, please visit us at parentsforeczemaresearch.org. And if you enjoy our podcast, consider supporting it with a tax-deductible donation through our website. We depend on listeners like you to keep producing high-quality, science-based episodes. Thank you, and we'll see you next time on the Eczema Breakthrough Podcast.